Working Smarter, presented by Calabria, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We are glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, product evangelist for Calabrio, and my guest today is the esteemed Trent Ryan, the finalist for SWPP Workforce Management Professional of the Year, but more importantly, Trent is the manager of WFM Technology at Netflix. Uh, maybe you've heard of this company. Maybe maybe that's some uh, a company that you might have run across on a day to day. Um, but we are super excited to have Trent as part of our overall uh, podcast series here, and it's great to have you, Trent. So instead of just uh, instead of meandering on for another hour, let's get right into it. Uh, first of all, how are things? How was the nomination? Uh, how was that process go for you? And and what did it mean to you? Yeah, it meant a lot to me. Um, you know, I've grew up in the contact center, right? And so to be recognized for that work was was really great. It's been my entire professional career. And it was my first time attending the uh, SWPP event, which was just an absolutely fantastic event to meet people, connect with people and and share stories and best practices with folks. Yeah, it's not often you get to sit down with 450 other WFM nerds and like every single person you talk to like understands what we do for a living and and why we do it. And so it's pretty great. Uh, So I want to start there. You said you grew up in the contact center industry. So let's go back. How, How did how did Trent Ryan find himself on this path? Yeah, absolutely. My first job actually was selling computers in high school. Uh, at a little company called Best Buy. Uh And then I took a job a few years out of college at an entry-level call center job in Minneapolis where Calabrio is headquartered. Um, I don't know how everyone up there does it. I determined that to be too cold. So I did two years in the Best Buy contact center. And then at the time, uh, Netflix had just opened up an office in Salt Lake City. And so I made the move to Netflix and I've been there ever since. So I grew up not only with, uh, you know, in the contact center, but really in the contact center with Netflix specifically, which is really uh, special as well. So were you initially, I mean, I don't want to say just, but just a, 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 like a customer service agent? Absolutely. So I was doing uh, technical support over the phone for Geek Squad um, at the time. Uh-huh. And so, you know, you would call in, have issues with your computer, and I would be the person you spoke with on the phone. Um, trying to connect to it remotely. Some really interesting call recordings that are hopefully long gone of, you know, walking <laughs> through folks getting connected to, you know, remote access systems and, you know, that long ago. It was a, not a very simple process back then. So I'm sure it's come a long way since then. Uh, in some ways it has, but, you know, we still need tech support people for that. So there you go. Uh, okay. So when you got to Netflix, uh, how did we, how did we, did you start in the workforce management process or was it you were on the phones and you worked your way into that no so i started in workforce management um i think i was workforce management employee number four or five um in netflix very early days and i got incredibly lucky my first week on the job was when we were actually standing up our original workforce management software vendor Mm -hmm. and so that's really where i got my start on the system side of things is i was able to just take all of that in and learn the ins and outs of how everything was configured, how this mapped to this. And then over the last, you know, eight years have really just been able to take that one little morsel of, of knowledge and, and grow with it, you know, leaning on peers and industry best practices to get to where I am today. 
And how have you seen the workforce management program at Netflix grow over the years? Uh, what are what are some of the key initiatives that maybe you guys have tackled over the years that have really Im- improved your your process and your efficiency? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the big one just from you know Netflix is when I started, we were in the U.S., Canada, and and a real small handful of countries. Right? Um, it was predominantly supported, um, you know, by you know, very simple folks in regions with very simple, you know, scheduling rules. And as we've expanded, right, we've had to really understand not only, you know, how do we schedule in the US, but how do we schedule in Europe and and the complexity of the labor laws um, have just expanded dramatically. So we've really had to get folks with local knowledge um, Mm -hmm. to be successful and implementing, you know, best practices that apply not just to Netflix, but to, you know, that specific country that we're targeting. Now, was this pre-streaming or post-streaming or during the implementation of streaming? This was um, pre uh, post-streaming, but just post-streaming. So right. it had been around for a while, but we had all of the customer service was streaming only um, at the time. The, the kind of legacy DVD business was a, a separate, you know, much smaller organization. Okay. So yeah, my mom uh, just recently found out that the DVD side of the business is is a uh, is closing down and she she's a little bummed. She was still super into receiving, you know, the the six DVDs of Anne of Green Gables and uh, and 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 working towards that completing that task. So, but it's okay. We 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 now have better options for for how to do that anymore. And it's it's fantastic to see the overall growth of just Netflix as a I mean, as the example of, you know, what a modern company should be. And it's great to see that includes the workforce management process. So, you know, uh, what I would do is I would ask you, you know, let's let's pretend we just we just met. And I really want to understand Netflix's kind of context center setup. Right. So what kind of channels, uh, what kind of uh, work do you go through? Right. What kind of volumes do you expect? Do you work with partners, things like that? So I suppose give me the give me the you know two minute overview of how Netflix is set up. Yeah, absolutely. The, the conversation I always have first with folks when they think of of Netflix is they go, wow, you have a customer service team. You know, folks don't actually know that. Right. And I think that speaks to the product, right? Generally speaking, folks don't have issues with the product, but our channel offerings are dictated by, hey, if I'm having an issue, it's probably when I'm trying to watch TV, right? Right. Um, and so we've leaned into, you know, really real-time forms of support, right? So that's predominantly voice and chat. Um, and that was very intentional because, you know, folks don't want to be, you know, going back and forth over email, you know, weeks at a time for support when it comes to their streaming. They just want to sit down and and watch TV, right? Um, One of the changes we did make, though, is when I joined, the entire workforce management team was based in Salt Lake City, right? It was a very small team. We could just swivel, you know, pivot, change things, roll it out very quick. But as we've grown, we've had to expand into different markets. So now the team is, there's a team in the US, a team in Latin America, a team in EMEA, as well as a team in APAC as well, all part of the same global workforce management function. But what's been something we've really had to be very intentional about is deciding what things as an organization do we want to be globally aligned and where do we want to have regional differences in terms of best practices and working with partners or working you know, procedures, processes, and um, just ensuring that's really 
clearly laid out and the expectations are set very clearly because we're not just in one office building anymore where we can you know turn around and talk to the entire team change something on a tuesday and have it implemented by a thursday right, right. So you, you already mentioned, you know, local labor laws and schedules. Um, obviously, there's languages uh, across there. Are there any other examples of kind of unique challenges that uh, different different areas? You know, we, we, we have a we have a strongly predominantly North American audience here. But what are sort of some of those unique things that, say, a Brazilian Netflix has to deal with or, you know, somebody in EMEA? Yeah. So two things come to mind with that. Um, one is the forecast, right? So content varies so dramatically by region. We may have a show that's hugely popular in the US that drives contact volume that's not popular in another region or vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the contact volume forecast being very, you know, hyper local and what goes into that is is one piece of it. So let me, pause, let, me, yeah. let me pause before you. So take take a show like Squid Game, right? That That is probably insanely popular in you know korea but also then becomes popular in the u.s is that is, did you guys have a, a kind of a unique and, and when when we say a show becomes popular what what types of uh, is it just uh, my my streaming's not working is it you know you're probably not getting questions like hey what's this actor's name or things like that but you know um what are is that the type of uh, interaction that you get from those situations yeah, right. So anytime that like there's a, a particularly popular show, right, we see a, a, a slight increase in contact volume is associated. It's not massive, right? But it does, you know, though, you know, maybe, you know, there's an issue with, you know, a particular subtitle or something on a piece of content, that sort of thing will pop mm -hmm. up and get to the right folks to get fixed. Okay. And so, all right, you said that was that was a uh, point number one. Uh, I one more follow up on that one is how closely do you work with the content part of the of your organization to when you when you find out there's a show that's going to be particularly popular or not? How does that influence your forecast? That's one of the things we have in our contact volume forecast, right? Mm -hmm. Is what the sort of forecasted popularity of a show is that drives the contact volume forecast that we ultimately staff to. It's one of many factors that we look in in the forecast, right? Um, but it is one of the, the pieces of the contact volume forecast. And what is the one show that comes to mind that's, an, that's a good example of that? Well, I'll say it used to be much more impactful, right? So okay. when I joined Netflix, right? There was, at the time, I was joining in the House of Cards era, right? Okay. House of Cards came out, it was massive, right? And there was like one, two big shows a year, right? Mm -hmm. It would be this huge event, right? Our contact, we'd have to staff up to the contact volume. Um, not so much anymore. We do still see it around holidays, right? So everyone goes out and gets their, you know, streaming player of choice for Christmas. They plug it in, you know, a couple days after Christmas and we see, you know, a, a spike in volume of folks having, you know, Wi-Fi issues, setup issues, whatever that, you know, looks like, um, you know, in the sort of one to two weeks after Christmas on there. All right. So sorry for digging too deep into the into the into the process of uh, it's, it's fascinating to me because, you know, where what's really interesting, we very rarely get contact centers that are kind of like rock stars. Right. Uh, you know, most of the time it's like it's an insurance contact center or, you know, a water utilities company or something like that. And so uh, these stories are particularly fascinating. One of my favorites is, you know, one of the 
cable companies we work with um, and their story was how before all of the big boxing fights uh, their volume just you know 100x and they have to deal with that and so those are great stories that come across all right so that was point number one what was point number two that you were going for earlier Point number two was, and this was really new to me coming from a very US perspective, um, is just TFN, so toll-free numbers, are not prevalent in every market in the world, right? We think okay. of US, 1-800, 1-88, just standard practice, right? But in a lot of you know emerging markets or, or just different markets, the expectations of customers are very different. Maybe they're you know, telephony providers actually charge them you know, really high fees to call a 1-800 number. So one of the things that we did is we actually implemented um, VoIP in-app calling directly in the app. Aha. Uh -huh. um, and that was you know, many years ago. I think we were you know, very early on that. I know it's somewhat more commonplace today, um, but that was you know, a real new staffing challenge um, for us in terms of you know, do these contacts have a different AHT, right? Um, do we need you know different sort of measures in place if you know the kid gets a hold of the phone by mistake and accidentally hits the you know talk to a human button right? Um, you know those were all sort of new challenges for us to figure out when we implemented that and I don't think it's something you would implement in you know a U.S. you know dominated um, you know customer service experience. But when you start going global, it's one of the things you have to think about. That's 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 actually honestly fascinating because I don't think a lot of people think about the mechanics of contacting someone by the phone, right? It used to be just purely phone, and now we have options. Um, did you guys use a particular technology, or did you use your own technology for that in-app uh, call calling? You know, I am not close enough to tell you with 100% certainty. That was built out um, you know, very early in my tenure here at Netflix. Um, traditionally, though, we do use a lot of our own, you know, technology when it comes to building out like the agent experience um, and our sort of contact center platforms that we use. Okay. So example, uh, would that be kind of the, you know, delivery mechanism of uh, their knowledge base, that kind of stuff? Is that the kind of th thing you're talking about? Yeah, it's evolved over the years, right? But like, so the CRM, um, ACD, um, you know, knowledge base is an example where that that's currently in house, and we've experimented with other options over the years, right? Slightly outside of the workforce management realm, um, but workforce management actually was one of the few. It was the first piece of like third party technology that we implemented in the contact center, and we took a look at building it ourselves. Actually, we came up with sort of a list of of base level requirements, and the sheer complexity of what would have to be built in order to make that successful was just not, you know, it, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, right? We looked right. at it and said, we can't really add anything new to this space, right? That other folks have not done. And that's how we ended up, you know, using third-party tools um, in workforce management. And I think we're, you know, on a bit of a journey as many companies are with implementing more and more third-party tools where it makes sense into our infrastructure. Yeah, the, the build versus buy conundrum has always, we, we at Calabrio see it a lot with, um, you know, organizations that are out there like, oh, I, you know, I could, 
I could build this in Excel. And, you know, generally there are certain things that you absolutely could build uh, from database tables and things like that. And like you said, the hard part is getting the formulations just right. And it takes a long time to get those right. And we, we often see a lot of those organizations do come back to us and say, yeah, that, that wasn't the best idea. Let's talk again. Right. And, and that's, what's, that's, what's fun about the journey to kind of enable a lot of these organizations to do it now. So let's talk a little bit about the WFM process that you guys go through, right. From kind of early on in the forecasting and the, the different departments kind of walk me through the structure and the setup of how Netflix approaches. Let's start with forecasting and then, then move through the, the, the different phases of workforce management. Yeah, absolutely. And we can maybe talk about this as we go as well. I always joke in our org that my mission is to get rid of Excel files and Google Sheets. I just, you know, they're so inefficient. They serve mm -hmm. a place, right? But anything that we're generating this Excel file every week or every month, my goal is to have, you know, Excel file zero, right? No Excel files at the end of the day. Um, and so, you know, it's a it's a bit of a joke, right? Yeah, but be careful. That, just hits, is so, that hits the heart of some of the people that are listening, I'm sure. I know. <laughs> it's so powerful, right? But if there's an Excel file that requires, you know, 30 minutes for you to put together and it's the same 15 steps every time, why aren't we automating that and just generating it automatically and presenting it, you know, to the user? But anyway, right. to answer your, your actual question, and we can talk through some of these Excel files we've maybe gotten rid of over the years. Um, so in the workforce management org, we have you know essentially three main functions. Uh, we have a capacity planning organization, a scheduling organization, and then an intraday sort of real-time organization. And those folks are all regionalized as well. Something that is unique is we actually do not do our forecasts uh, on the workforce management side. We do the short-term forecast, but we get past the long-term forecast from our finance org. Mm -hmm. um, who are, for a multitude of reasons, just better set up organizationally to generate a, a better forecast. We take that, fo the capacity planners take that forecast and generate the long range staffing requirements, mm -hmm. right? Those then, you know, sort of going through the chain of workforce management, they're doing the long range hiring plans, long range, you know, staffing plans. Um, factoring in things like call center shrinkage, FTE definitions, which vary dramatically from country to country. They pass that over to the schedulers. Uh, the schedulers are responsible, as, as the name would imply, for doing the actual scheduling, but also you know, giving that feedback loop to the capacity planners, right? What is my schedule inflexibility, right? Um, you know, because of you know, labor law AZ, in this market, we're actually going to have you know a twenty percent or a ten percent or a fifteen percent, right? We've seen these vary dramatically by hours of operation, as well as labor laws, and then you know very traditional as well. The intraday folks are there to really execute the plans. What's happening today, tomorrow, this week, and really drive the performance that we're targeting for the business. So you mentioned you know externally from the WFM tool that you build build the forecast, and it's funny because. We see that a lot. Uh, we see that in a lot of organizations. And I think it also shocks a lot of organizations like, what do you, why would you have this tool and not have it do the work for you? And I think a lot of it is because there are so many external factors that go into a larger organization's forecast. What are, what are some of those forecasts? You mentioned like potential show popularity. What are some of the other key drivers of a forecast? Contact rate, right? So we know like, Customers at different tenures in their Netflix viewing experience will contact us at different rates, mm -hmm. right? Um, big ones too that are, you know, 
we talk a lot about the contact volume forecast, right? That's what everyone drives to. But we never talk about the AHT forecast, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we actually, in some cases, will not in all, but in some cases, we'll forecast different AHTs for different contact drivers, right? And so if we think there's a contact volume forecast of, you know, a thousand calls of, of you know this contact driver that's actually a particularly complex call for our agents we know we need to increase the overall AHT forecast which can drive the requirements just as much as you know contact volume can as well right do you know which streaming devices cause more problems with your with your uh, uh, your customer base that is a fantastic question. So one of the things at Netflix is we have a lot of data. So someone sure. <laughs> I'm sure does. Um, it's not something we've looked at in the, the CS space, though, because it's not very actionable for mm -hmm. us from a, from a CS perspective. Okay. That was just interesting. Like, uh, you know, could you go to Roku and say, hey, how many Rokus did you say? Oh, no, get ready for all the calls, right? But uh, I don't know. This, this is where my brain goes from time to time. So you've got a lot of handoffs in, the, yeah. in this process. So... Are there any real roadblocks that you've run into or any streamlining uh, opportunities that you've landed on that could really help yeah. another organization? One of the things that we used to do, right? So I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but from a capacity planning standpoint, we do do that externally and we used to do it in you know spreadsheets. We had um, probably some 50 some odd capacity plans, right? That we're individually staffing to. We used to, every single month, get the, for, the forecast from finance, load it into a spreadsheet, um, staff to that, and then provide those headcount numbers back to finance, mm -hmm. right, um, for the financial forecast, and then load them into, you know, Calabrio for the schedule generation. And so we've been able to automate that entire life cycle of the capacity plan. Um, and so rather than, you know, 50 plus Excel files having to be sent, you know, three, four times throughout the whole process, that just happens automatically. And then one of the things my team has been able to do as a result of that is really provide dashboards to anyone in the business who wants to view, hey, what does our customer service staffing look like, projected, you know, service levels look like for a line of business, you know, one, two, three, four. Um, in the organization, right? And that's something that's very unique to Netflix is it's such a culture of openness that anyone in the organization could come in and say, hey, like, you know, why did I have to wait, you know, two minutes for my call to be answered? And they could pull up, you know, in theory, the customer service staffing for that week. And they might come ask us and say, hey, like, I noticed, you know, you all have, you know, a, a one minute wait, two minute wait, what's going on there? Um, and so we're able to provide that not only to CS members, but also just anyone in the business who needs to see what's happening with CS staffing. That's pretty cool. I mean, automation is always something that everybody is should be striving for. And it's great to see that you've taken these steps to reduce that complexity and, and make it so much smoother. Um, do, do, do any of your, when you guys would go out and try to identify a third party solution, uh, do any of those, did any of those solutions really stand out for you? I noticed you said you, at some point you, I think you guys used uh, Twilio flex as, as a, yeah. as a primary driver. Um, you know, any, any other types of technology out there that really stand out for you as uh, drivers to your success? Yeah, Twilio's is used on the telephone. I'm, I'm not an engineer, right? It's used on the telephony delivery side, mm -hmm. um, and it's been used quite heavily um, within our internal tools. Um, 
in terms of other things, when we looked for workforce management particularly, um, we really wanted something that was going to be extensible and um, scalable. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, because we build our own, you know, ACD, um, we have to actually go out and build that integration ourselves, right? Yes. So Netflix builds the integration between our ACD platform and the Calabrio RTA API. And mm -hmm. so, you know, while it may not have been important for many folks in the business because I'm plugging off the shelf ACD into off the shelf workforce management, for us, that was actually quite critical is that the, you know, APIs be easily, you know, there to integrate. Yeah. On the flip side though, probably more important for most people is what does the data warehouse look like that we can tap into, right? Because, you know, to the earlier point, workforce management is great at reporting, right? Um, we can go into workforce management, see, you know, skill level performance, forecast, you know, all that stuff, but it's all in the workforce management box. And not everyone in the organization is going to, you know, want to log into the workforce management application. Sometimes you need to be able to push that data to them. I find that hard to believe. I find that yeah. hard to believe. Everyone wants a piece of WFM. Uh. <laughs> I've made so many logins, Dave, for folks. And I say, look, you can just do this yourself. And they say, no, I want my, you know, Tableau dashboard or I want my PDF emailed to me. Right. right? So I, we do always have a joke about that where, you know, it is there if you want to go look for it. But, you know, folks are, you know, set in their ways in terms of how they want the data to be presented to them. So if I were to ask you, so now you spent uh, you spent a week at uh, SWPP in Nashville, which was, you know, get to meet a lot of your peers and a lot of people. Um, if I were to ask you, what's one thing that Netflix does significantly better than other contact centers that you've run into? And maybe one thing that, you know, maybe there's some room for improvement there. What, what would you say? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I was really struck by just in terms of the peers that you know I met who were there, just how on top of it all of these organizations are, right? In terms of the sophistication of, you know, everyone's really there when it comes to workforce management now or, or is on the path to getting there, right? And so that was really impressive to see. Um, yeah, you don't run into a lot of people that go, gosh, what what do you mean by shrinkage, right? What do you, it's like, man, we, we had people coming up to us and ask us, you know, how do I do interval, interval level shrinkage on a skill-based uh, team when I have multi-site applications? And it's like, wow, these are not things that I necessarily had to tackle back in the day. And uh, it's really, yeah, the, the, the level of complexity, but also the level of knowledge is astounding these days that's out yeah. there. So great, great example. Absolutely. Something that a lot of folks are just seem to really have nailed down and, and something that I think, you know, we can always improve on is just really clear communication within the team. Right. In terms of we have, you know, m multiple team members in multiple continents and multiple countries. Right. And just trying to be really thoughtful about how do we work asynchronously. Mm -hmm. Right. Not everything needs to be a meeting. Right. And if everything needs to be a meeting, someone's always going to have a really bad, you know, time zone meeting at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m., right? And so that was an interesting one that I, I saw a couple folks really have great ideas on how do we work effectively asynchronously, maybe not, you know, specific to workforce management, but that was one takeaway from the conference that I had. All right. So the final question I would have for you is, you know, you kind of, you know, 
we talked to a lot of people on the podcast that have really kind of achieved the level of success that a lot of other people have been shooting for, right? Um, you included. What are some things that you might say, maybe one or two tips that uh, you might give to either an organization or individual who's maybe a little earlier in their journey about how you might have reached, uh, reached the level you were at? Yeah, you know, well, I appreciate you saying that. It's very kind and, and generous of you. I'm not sure if I entirely agree with the premise of the question, but I'll go ahead and answer <laughs> it for you anyway. Um, I, I would say just be curious constantly, right? Yeah. There are so many resources out there. You know, when I learned workforce management, I learned by hitting F1 and going into the help file and just reading the whole thing front to back, right? Not literally, but, you know, pretty much Almost literally. Almost literally, yep. Yeah, and, and there's so many good resources. That was one that was available now, but now there's, you know, LinkedIn groups, you know, community groups that are available and folks who are willing to help you just because they're giant nerds on the topic. And, you know, you'll see me in some of those groups sometimes chatting with folks, what's the best way to do this or what's the best way to do this on both sides, right? And it's a really collaborative environment and, you know, be curious, ask for help and, you know, you'll get there for sure. I completely agree and you know i actually most of my fellow calabrians that i work with are probably sick of hearing me say that if there's a singular trait that leads to success especially in what we do for a living it's curiosity it's why is that the way it is and and you know you get out your shovel and you just attack and and keep going until until you're kind of till you hit rock bottom and then you then you got to crawl your way out of the hole you dug yourself but and usually that means more work right when you discover that you have to do something you're also like now i have to do it forever instead of going forward <laughs> there's nothing worse than finding out something's been you know miscalibrated on a model and being the one to point it out because it means now it's on you to fix it yeah, right it's the uh, the age-old boy i shouldn't have raised my hand if i had just kept my hand down i'd be have so much more free time <laughs> absolutely yes Okay, well, Trent, I have to say, first of all, congratulations on the nomination. Uh, we know at this point that you didn't actually win the, uh, the, 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 the award, but being nominated, you kind of, uh, you know, you, you might not even made it that far. So being nominated is a pretty great honor. And, you know, for an organization like SWPP to recognize the work that you're doing, I think is fantastic. And it really shows the dedication and professionalism that you've put forth. So congratulations on that. Um, second of all, huge thank you for joining us on the podcast and, and letting people know, you know, the the Netflix name, as you know, is is uh, pretty synonymous with success that's out there. And so we're, we're glad that you're here. One of the things that I always like to do is give, you know, our guests kind of the last word. So if I said to you, you know, hey, you've got a you've got a soapbox here or a podium to 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 say out to anyone that might be listening, what might you want to uh, provide? You know, I think I'm going to just anchor back on that. Be curious, right? Um, I think that is the number one lesson I've learned in my career is that, you know, while it's sometimes scary, it's okay to raise your hand and say, hey, why is this set up this way? Or why are we doing things this way? Right. Um, and then that is going to dovetail into conversations and change and, you know, 
things you're just going to have to figure out, right? But it's going to be a fun journey along the way. And know that you got to back up your your curiosity with data. You can't just say, <laughs> hey, this feels wrong, and then, you know, run out like the Skeletor meme where he just runs out of the room, right? Uh, we, Absolutely. You can say, hey, this feels wrong. Give me a day and I'll, you know, get some data and we can look at this together, right? But you can't just say, hey, that seems weird, and then go about your day. You didn't solve anything by doing that, right? Absolutely. Well, Trent, it's been an absolute honor and a privilege to to spend some time chatting with you here and i think we're a lot of people are going to be uh, very excited to hear what we have to say here so first for me thank you uh really appreciate the time and second of all thank you as always to all of our listeners for you guys to give us some time of your day it it, uh, makes me super happy and uh, we are always looking for the next great uh, collaborio podcast so if you are listening and you'd like to be featured on the podcast let us know. Just, uh, you know, go to send an email to marketing at collaborio.com and say, I want to be on Dave's podcast. We can, we can certainly uh, take steps to make that happen, but I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. And most importantly, Trent, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Dave. You. Oh, absolutely. My name is Dave Hookstra, a product evangelist here at Collabrio. So thank you to everyone out there and we'll see you on the next episode of working smarter from Collabrio. Thanks everybody. Have a great day.